Welcome to If the Walls Could Talk, a series of conversations about smart buildings, connecting key thinkers in the property world with each other and you. I'm Ari Berendrecht, founder and CEO at WiredScore, the certification company dedicated to making the world's buildings smarter and better connected. In our series, we bring together a range of experts to discuss key topics like planning smart buildings, choosing the right technology, how to be user first at the design stage, and how to reduce the environmental impact of smart buildings. And it's sustainability and smart buildings that we're discussing today with our guest, Brendan Wallace, co-founder and managing partner at Fifth Wall. Fifth Wall is a venture capital firm with $3 billion under management, investing in built world technology with the goal of helping the real estate industry eradicate carbon emissions completely. Um, Brennan, super excited to have you here today, not just because you're the leader of Fifth Wall, uh, you're an investor in Wired Score, and you've recently raised a huge climate tech fund, which we'll talk about today. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. So why don't we get started? Can you tell me a little bit about Fifth Wall uh, and specifically around Fifth Wall's climate tech fund? Sure. So Fifth Wall is the largest and the most active investor in real estate technology. And that's really where we got our start. We invested in technology that's strategic and relevant for the real estate industry to help bring the real estate industry into the modern age. Um, and that was kind of where the firm was born. We were expressly focused on software solutions, right? So really software solutions that could help the real estate industry modernize with respect to financial services, with respect to tenant engagement, leasing, asset management, everything that goes into building, owning, operating assets. The other thing we did is we brought in large real estate corporates. So these are the largest real estate owners that are in turn the largest customers and end users of technologies like Wired Score. And so by virtue of investing in them, we help drive those connections and achieve exposure and access to technologies they couldn't otherwise. We started to see that the real estate industry had a massive decarbonization problem and technology was kind of the key there. And that was really the genesis for us starting the Climate Tech Fund. Can you talk more about that moment when you decided to move into a focus on decarbonization, knowing that's not your only focus, but how did you rally the rest of your colleagues around that? Like, how, how did those conversations go internally? I mean, it was initially, I would say, largely based on just statistics. So real estate in the U.S. is 13% of U.S. GDP. Real estate is 40% of U.S. CO2 emissions. Real estate contributes more CO2 into the environment than all of manufacturing and transportation. It's the single most contributive industry. And so given that, what you'd expect to see is that the real estate industry would be launching major initiatives and deploying lots of capital into R&D to decarbonize. That doesn't exist. And if it does, it's pretty de minimis as a percent of the total. And so what we did is said, could we build a pool of capital where we could help the real estate industry pool their resources together and actually invest in this tech to help decarbonize the most contributive industry to climate change. One motivating factor here is, is saving the planet. Um, I'm sure there's a, a complementary factor around investor returns. And like, how do you think about returns uh, on investing in climate tech and, and what those can look like versus other investments that you're making? They're both great points. And I actually think they're totally aligned. I mean, decarbonizing the global economy is the biggest opportunity of our lifetimes. Uh, it's bigger than the internet. It actually is. And that's shocking to a lot of people. And, and just to put the numbers in context, in the U.S. alone, to decarbonize commercial real estate assets just in the United States will cost $18, $18 trillion. 
to compare that to just the internet, the internet, the total market size of the internet is $2 trillion. So it is a staggeringly large opportunity. And that's both because it's important, but also because the economy runs on energy and we've become dependent on a way of sourcing that energy, using that energy that's inefficient and wasteful. And transitioning that is something that will take a significant amount of capital investment to achieve. At the kind of this stage in the cycle, what do you see as the biggest motivators for landlords to be thinking about uh, making their buildings more sustainable? Is it around uh, tenant attraction retention? Is it around cutting costs? Is it around ethical imperative? Um, what, what are the leading motivating factors? I would say it's probably a confluence of three factors. One is consumer awareness broadly. Obviously, climate and the climate debate has been, climate policy discussions have become incredibly topical. And I would say that's accelerated almost exponentially over the last five years. And that's changing how workforces think about their employers, right? And that's changing how employers think about their workforces, but it's also changing how companies interact with their supply chain. So for example, when Amazon very publicly commits to decarbonizing, most people don't intuitively think of the real estate industry as a supplier to Amazon, mm. but it is. And Amazon's in turn committing their entire supply chain. The real estate industry, if they want to lease space to Amazon, which you should, you will need to decarbonize. Um, that's, that's kind of part one. Mm. Part two is around capital markets. Large capital allocators have said that we will preferentially deploy capital to low or no carbon footprint real estate. And real estate is a cost of capital business. So if you change the cost of capital, you massively change the incentives. The third is regulatory. So obviously under the Trump administration, a lot of environmental regulations were rolled back. The Biden administration's first act was to put the U.S. back into the Paris Agreement. And what you started to see is that local municipalities have started to enact their own carbon neutrality laws. It happened in New York with local law 97. It's happened in Los Angeles as well. And these laws require owners to either invest in, in decarbonization or pay fines. And there's a certain indifference point between the two. Given you have uh, LPs from across the world, WiredScore uh, as well works with across 20 plus countries, particularly on the capital market side, are you seeing differences geographically where that, that is a, a bigger factor than in other places? Yeah, I'd say Europe has led the US. And largely, I think the reason they're leading is demand is higher. So because these carbon neutrality laws, which are relatively new in the U.S., have been around for quite some time. They've been around actually for more than 10 years in some countries in Europe. Because of that, the demand is, is more mature, and there's just, frankly, more commercial demand for the same solutions, the same technologies. I think what you'll see, though, is that the U.S. is mobilizing both capital markets, right? Our climate tech fund is one of many in the market that is mm -hmm. deploying billions of dollars into the space. And therefrom, you're going to have enormous amounts of innovation and mobilization of human capital and, and time and attention. And that in turn is going to lead to better adoption because the products are going to be better, faster, cheaper, you know, better yeah. solutions to serve real estate owners needs to decarbonize. Smart is a super buzzy term at the moment. And lots of folks want to build smart buildings or retrofit their existing assets to become smarter. How would you describe the kind of state of the industry today in terms of their ability to do that? And like, where do you see the most progress being made when it comes to tech available today that is, that is impactful? This term smart has been misappropriated, candidly. And, and it applies to anything that is even remotely smart, 
without really a, a kind of broader context of how smart can actually drive outcomes. And I think that's the missing link. It's the missing link both with respect to you know, how tenants can engage with a building. The, the fact that you have a, a, key, a, a door that opens with your phone it is a convenience, but it is actually the least significant of the conveniences that can derive from that innovation, which is a function of understanding the building better, understanding patterns of usage, understanding electrical usage inside the building, optimizing that building for tenants. All of those derivative insights are in turn what truly yield the great results. What else from the landlord side is like so hard about procuring tech solutions today? And like, what do you think landlords could do better? Like if you were just giving someone advice over a coffee that owns a, an office portfolio, for example, what, what can they do better? It's a great question. And in some ways, this is why, you know, Brad and I built Fifth Wall yeah. is to help them do this better. One reason that the real estate industry is particularly bad at identifying and adopting new technology is that it never had to historically. Owning a building didn't change that much for about 300 years. And then it started to change a lot about a decade ago. There are probably no two industries that are further apart uh, structurally <laughs> than technology and real estate. I mean, technology is all intellectual property, all human capital, you know, all equity finance, cash flow negative tends to be winner take all. Real estate is absolutely not winner take all, you know, debt and equity financed, yeah. generally low intellectual property, right? And ar around the asset. So the intuitions that make a real estate investor great at picking buildings or building them or operating them are not very reliable when it comes to identifying and adopting technology solutions. And that problem is compounded when the difference between adopting the best solution and the second best solution is dramatic. What I mean by that is if you, if you and I are, you know, two competing real estate entrepreneurs and you buy the best building in New York and I buy the second best building, we're both going to be high-fiving. We're both going to do great. <laughs> but if we're both entrepreneurs and you build the best technology and I build the second best technology, you might not even know who I am. There's a profound difference in choosing the right solution when it comes to adopting tech that doesn't exist in real estate. And that has been hard for the real estate industry to psychologically and even culturally within these organizations wrap their heads around. So how do you think this chasm gets, uh, gets closed? You know, one way is we're starting to see the first examples of companies that are doing this well. And so the, the reason I'm answering like that is because I think what hasn't happened in the last 10 years is you haven't been able to point to anyone and say, well, they adopted technology and they're killing it, therefore I should. I don't think that has been true, or at least it wasn't identifiable. Now it is, and you're starting to see it. And you're starting to see it in, it's probably starting on the consumer side. You're seeing it probably more in like hospitality and multifamily, but it's eventually going to cascade into the more enterprise-focused sides of real estate as well. But Technological differentiation lends a competitive advantage that yields higher returns, higher, mar higher market share, you know, capital, uh, a kind of um, a virtuous capital cycle where, where capital obviously rewards that. And as that plays out, I think that will make it incumbent on the smaller landlords that maybe aren't doing anything today to say, we have to have a point of view. Mm -hmm. The approach of sticking your head in the sand and saying, well, 
I don't know this, therefore I won't do it, is, is no longer a solution. And that's why I think solutions like Wired Score are actually really compelling, is that you offer a way for a landlord to very quickly get a litmus test, get a read on like what their asset is actually offering and how the market will interpret that and how they should be thinking about that from an asset level longevity, but also a, a technological obsolescence perspective. It's funny, the pandemic, as we all say, has been a, been a shock to the system across asset classes in different ways, but it's been interesting to see um, changing landlord perspective now um, as they view the threat of increased vacancy or, or feeling increased vacancy and, and bringing tenants to the table to better understand the experiences they're demanding uh, and realizing that they need to think more innovatively than before and use tools like Wired Score. And I'm sure like lots of the folks you're invested in to transform their buildings in ways that they hadn't needed to for decades. And uh, it's been an interesting silver lining to observe and participate in over the last couple of months. I personally feel really optimistic around how the real estate industry can transform itself. And I think that the mindset that real estate owners find themselves in today is one of, an, is one of greater open-mindedness to the possibilities of what it means to be a real estate owner. It doesn't just mean that you build a roof and keep the rain out and that's good enough and you collect your rent. It actually means something more. And in meaning something more, that's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. And I think the most forward-looking real estate owners do appreciate that now. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today and sharing this. Your perspective is awesome. Um, fantastic to be a partner of Fifth Walls and to watch the work you guys are doing to kind of lead the charge as landlords are taking more responsibility to become sustainable and decarbonize. So I um, appreciate it and good spending time with you. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to If the Walls Could Talk using your usual podcast provider. And thanks for listening.